Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of I Cast Fireball, an actual play 5e D&D adventure where we go through the campaign, Tyranny of Dragons. I'm Thomas, your dungeon master for this adventure, and around the table we have... Malamara. Lance Thalen. And Fleeple. A slightly younger Fleeple, right? A slightly handsomer Fleeple. Ooh, scales a little bit more shiny, a little bit more red. To build on that, last we left our adventurers, they had were dealing with the aftermath of Malamara, trying to put this lightly, but destroying the Gith prisoner inside of Candlekeep. With Leosin setting up a meeting in three days' time to talk with Anthar Frum, another ally, in hopes of defeating the Cult of the Dragon before they can accomplish their goal. There was a long meeting to talk about their options, of all the information they have to sync up together, and the group was given a choice. The choice was to follow the money and to follow the caravans that were transporting the gold from city to city to see where it eventually ended up. Or the other path forward was to go find some secret, forbidden, or at the very least lost knowledge of these dragon masks that seem to be popping up. The group eventually decided on the flip of a coin and decided to go underneath Candlekeep into the long abandoned libraries that have been untouched by any humanoids for the past hundred years. Finalizing this meeting, however, both Anthar Frum and Leosin gave the group a choice to join their orders, which Leosin handed to Fleeple a token of the Harpers and inducted him as the newest member of the Harper organization. That is where we pick up our adventurers on this week's episode. So, Lance, Fleeple, and Malamara. You have all decided to take on this journey to go underneath Candlekeep, to go into the library, and to discover what these dragon masks are. The meeting with Leosin has broken up in Anthar Frum, and as you're leaving, Leosin goes, uh, I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll be uh, getting you tomorrow and uh, uh, taking you to the entrance, or uh, to go to the underground, if you will. <laughs> so rest well, and uh, I'll see you in the morning. Sounds like a plan to me. Yes, right before our monk friend leaves, I'm going to ask him. So, so this this kind of catacombs library that we're going into, would you say the text that we're looking for is more history based, religious based, more magical based? I'm just wondering what what we should keep an eye out for. Ah, yes, excellent. Ah, that is an excellent. Uh, um, I'm glad you're already thinking this through, so to speak. Um, I would say uh, it. I would say you're pretty comfortable to look in either the uh, religion slash organization section, but it's possible they could have a section just completely devoted to dragons in their entirety. Uh, dragons themselves are such a diverse species and culture, if you will. They they have a lot of surrounding, um, uh, what do you call it, a lot of surrounding uh, sex of institutions, of magic, and they, so they could be a subject in and of themselves. And so it could be as simple as going to the door that has a gigantic dragon head on top of it. Gotcha. So the text we're, we're supposed to be looking for could be literally across genres and spectrums. 
Yes, I, I would. I would imagine something like this would be, um, uh, since it is, you know, a library. <laughs> uh, although it'd be an abandoned, an ancient one. I'm sure you, at the very least, would be like, um, I think, like alphabetized. Perhaps they have like some sort of um, organization or like uh, index. I don't know if, uh, how frequently you've been to a library, but you, you could pull out the drawer and like uh, rifle through some index cards there and. Uh, I, I'll leave you to it. Yes, yes. All right. Thank you. Excellent. So, as you all turn in for the evening, is there anything in particular you want to do before you uh, before you go to bed, before you do anything else, and before you get ready to go on this adventure? Do we have separate rooms, or are we all in one room? I forgot. Uh, I. What was the consensus on this? I know initially you all got one room. Uh, I think you still all have the one room, actually, unless you go to the barkeep to get another room. No, I, I'm okay with just obviously one. Okay, sounds good. I know it's just because you want to avoid her, but... Well, there's something that Lance was thinking of doing, but I will say Lance has something to do in the middle of the night. Hmm. Ah, all right. So as you all go to bed, Malamara, I need you to roll me a wisdom saving throw, but with disadvantage, please. Cool. <gasps> That's what, what every player wants to hear. Oh, that was not a first good roll. Oh, great. So the first roll I rolled was a one, or was a two. Uh, and my disadvantage kay. roll was a one. Aww. Oh, wow. <laughs> Plus my zero wisdom. <laughs> oh, just kidding. My saving throw for wisdom is a plus four. So five. Five, but you critically failed it. So... So Malamara, this is just after you fall asleep, and sleep has come easy to you, Mal, uh, especially with you intoxicating yourself to sort of escape your current situation. And as you fall to sleep and drift off, you go back, you find yourself back into the forest as you have made your way down the spine of the world, as you've left your brother, and as you've parted ways, just heading in a direction, any direction. And... A familiar figure comes out from across your campfire out of the forest and approaches you and sits across the campfire from you. This is your patron. Recognizing that this is probably either a dream or a memory of this first, this encounter that I, I recognize, I sit across the, f I walk forward and sit on the log opposite the fire of him and just kind of let it play out, interested to see which this is. Recalling exactly the next words, the next phrase, um, you're jarred a little bit and brought to focus and attention as your patron breaks the script and just speaks to you. You've been having a difficult time the past few days, Malamara. Jarred by that, she actually falls over backwards off of the log that she's sitting on and stands up and properly looks at him and realizes that this is not just a dream but a vision and stands there stunned not sure what to say as you instinctually stand up and you go for your weapon the sword is not by your side you glance back over across the fire and the sword is being stroked just slowly as your patron examines it What's your patron's name again? Ertu. E-R-R-T-U. Ertu. You can just see the fire 
that resemble his eyes underneath his hood. And Urtu squints as he looks at the blade. And I want you to roll me a perception check. 16. You falling over and alerting yourself and becoming aware of the situation, Urtu seems to be looking at the sword quizzically. And as you pick this up, Urtu still examines it and goes, I know what you did was hard, difficult, but it's merely one step on the journey for you to realize the power that you have. He looks away from the sword finally and glances to you. I gave this gift to you to make you more powerful with the weapon I gifted you. This will help you in your journey. He tosses the sword across the fire over to you. Malamar reaches out and catches it midair, very instinctually, uh, as she whips it around and looks up the blade and examines the bandages that are along it that are very familiar to her. She reaches the end where Lance's wrap is. And that that gives her a pause for a moment. And then she looks back at her too. What do you what do you want me to do? I understand you'll be going to a place that hasn't been touched for quite some time. I need you to be on the lookout for something and see if you can find a tome. This tome will vibrate with magical energy and I'll be able to help guide you if you see it. But if you bring that to me... And he points down to the sword in your hand. I can guarantee that your power will continue to grow. Holding the weapon again in her hand that she's been thinking about, meditating about, conflicted about over the past couple of days since the encounter with the Githyanki, she again has that hesitancy of not sure if she wants to continue down that path, but also desiring to continue to gain more strength. She flips it around and sheathes it under her cloak where she normally has it and looks back at her too and says it's yours what is it called <laughs> this book has no title but I'll be able to help you and guide you to find it and he points to you with his very long clawed finger as it extends from his cloak just be ready Mal will bow to him. As you finish the bow and you raise yourself back up, Urtu hasn't disappeared, but instead, under his cloak and the firelight, you see that he has the smile on his face with his eyes shaded. And just before you wake up and the vision disappears, you hear him say in your mind, I have a feeling we're going to be doing some great things together, Malamara. And you sit up in your bed and Fleeple is on Lance's chest and going up and down as Lance is breathing and you grasp your sword to feel that it's still there and it's still there and you take a sigh of relief. As you go to lay down you see Lance's mark on the tip of your sword again and it's the last thing you see as you drift off to sleep. Don't like that. You know what the book is? He's just looking for, like, the, the prequel unreleased Twilight. 
I'm totally Team Edward. <laughs> oh my god. Lance. Yes. Your four hours are up. And Fleeple is curled into your chest, curled into your scarf, actually, and has pulled it slightly away from your neck, to where your neck is a little bit exposed. But you are awake. I was. I assume this pattern, maybe not the scarf thing, but I assume this pattern of Fleeple <laughs> finding the one non-clammy spot <laughs> on Lance, the chest, apparently, uh, to curl up in. I assume this is ritual, but I also assume that because Lance only gets four hours, basically, of meditation-ish. He'll, like, gingerly, like, pick Fleeple up in his little curl and put him to the side and, like, straighten out the scarf again and put it, you know, tighter around the neck as Fleeple has loosened it. And Lance just has an internal dialogue going on within himself. And he's like, what are we... All right, what are we... What's our end goal tomorrow? We go in to the dragon crypt. We, we're finding... Uh, tomes about these masks there's a spirit dragon that's not creepy at all how are we going to do this how are we going to do this how are we going to do this who would who would help us who could know who could know and as he's thinking that he'll reach into his pocket one of his pockets one of his many pockets because he has many because he's a rogue rogues have pockets and he'll pull out the tooth the tooth that uh that is very similar to the one that mondath had plunged into herself to transform and he'll just kind of like be on his knees almost looking at this tooth and as you pull the tooth out of your pocket it actually gives off a faint light in the room which illuminates your face and your chest and it's sort of pulsing not quick but a slow And this pulsing is very similar to a heartbeat, but you sort of shield it with your other hand so that the light doesn't immediately go in Fleeple's eyes and illuminate the whole room. Lance just kind of kneeling there looking at this, kind of thinks back to Mondath, to the one connection we really had with the cult, and remembering that he heard her after she had died and passed, he will not audibly but within his mind think are you in there are you with me and he'll wait for a response couldn't roll a speak with dead check <laughs> what is that <laughs> what is that <laughs> religion maybe i'd say probably religion religion check yeah go ahead and roll me a well hold on hold on let me let me think about this for yeah, let me think about this for one minute. Well, and I would say this is this is where Lance is coming from. He's heard voices of those he's felt have died and gone, and he's had two very vivid voices speaking to him. One of them, Mondath, while we were leaving the caldera. So he feels like if these voices keep coming back and they have access to me, do I have access to them? So this is what I'm going to do. You're absolutely right. This is a part of who you are. This is a part of your class. This is a part of your... You've, you have this history unknowingly with those that have departed around you. So I do want you to make a... Let's do a wisdom check, but I want you to add your proficiency bonus to it. Wisdom. So add my wisdom modifier and my proficiency modifier. 18. You turn this tooth over in your hand over and over. 
and just getting out of this trance-like meditative state. And when you go into your meditative state, you don't just sleep, you actually feel connections. You feel that you're able to connect to a higher, not intelligence necessarily, but you're able to feel something beyond yourself. You being an elf and you being that just being a part of your nature, you felt it your whole life. And you really hone in on that and you almost go trance-like for a sec. And as you're twirling this tooth over and over in your hand, you hear from the back of your mind, quiet and push forward to the center. And you hear Mondath speak to you. <laughs> Suck. You were the reason for my downfall. You are to blame for my situation. I hear you and I despise you. Lance will, in this weird thought kind of communication with this entity that's in his mind, just kind of freaking him out, he'll just think, yes, yes, yes. I am the reason for your demise. You lost, your goals shattered, your prestige disappearing in the wind, like mortals at the beat of a dragon would you like me to die because i'm going to a place that very much well could grant you your wish going to a place where there's a dragon spirit and i need to know what to look for to find more about your coat and i'm probably gonna die so if you help me know where to go you actually might get what you want you think you can comprehend our ambitions? You think you can foresee what we have planned? <laughs> you are a fool, Lance Thalen. I do not want to see you die. I want to see you suffer at the hands of my brothers and sisters. I want to see you rot, and I wish to see you fail at every opportunity so I may laugh as I see your every failure I may be a fool that's true I may fail that's true but at least I'm not dead and you feel the voice retreat to the back of your mind well that was creepy and pointless. <laughs> Let's thinks. The only thing I got out of that was that I have a creepy person living in my head. This is great. <laughs> Just great. Just great. Didn't get what I wanted. All right. Well. And as Lance is kind of like going to just kind of rest in a corner while he waits for the others to wake up, he'll think about that conversation and think about oh my gosh I have access to this person who died and then he'll think about the other experience he's had with someone who has died from his past reaching back to him and just think about that until the others wake up a full night's rest and all of you are fully healed with all of your spell slots a wonderful meal is brought to you and Mal uh Tinker of ale is brought to you by your lovely barkeep and as she hands each of you 
your plates very slowly, talking about the craziness that happened last night. And you see, if I didn't leave the pot soaking overnight, I would never been able to use the pot to make your breakfast. Well, you know, I'm glad that you did soak it overnight because this is a fine meal you've made for us. You know, I slept better last night than I have slept in an entire decade. I don't know about my friends, but I had a magnificent night. (laughs) Ah, yes. I can see you. You you seem a little bit more chipper than when you first arrived, and you see you got a lot of colour in your face. And your compliments give me a little colour in my face too. I'll be back with another tankard of ale, don't you fret? And as we know, ale has been known to put colour in many a person's face. <laughs> <laughs> A humor with you as well. Oh my. And she just slowly walks away as she chuckles to herself. But with a full breakfast and a full meal, you meet Leosin outside the Emerald Gates of Candlekeep. And as you three are standing there waiting for Leosin to welcome you and grant you access, the guard who is standing there, Malamar in particular, is just sort of glaring at you, gripping their wrists and their stance and just staring at you. She glares back at them. Leosin comes out. Okay, alright. I've cleared it with all the higher-ups and, um, he sort of, like, leans towards you, Malamara. It was a little difficult to get you back in, but since you're going to a decrepit place that no one's been for in quite some time, they thought it would be alright. Um, anyway, uh, this way, please. And he leads you through the maze that is Candle Keep. Mal, this reception that you received at the entrance is not lost throughout the entirety of Candlekeep. Anybody wearing Candlekeep robes and garb have word of who you are and what you've done. So as you walk through the halls with your companions in Leosin, anybody walking clears a path out of your way, either out of fear, disgust, or on principle. And so everybody seems to be giving you a wide berth. Mal walks directly behind her companions with her head down, not needing to look at everybody's reactions because those are the reactions she's gotten her whole life. And she knows exactly what they look like. And as you fall back into a familiar step, almost reverting back to your childhood and how you were raised and how you grew up, you all get taken to the stairs that descend and just keep descending um, into this catacomb-like level. And this catacomb, it's not a catacomb, it's just some books, and it's its more of a, a dungeon, if you will. But Leosin keeps leading you onward through this dungeon, to the point where you think, oh, he may, is he going to go with us? And then there's another set of steps, and you go down that set of steps. And then you go back the way you came, but on this different level, all the way to the other side, and there's another set of steps you go and it keeps descending but after this this set of steps it doesn't lead to another level of books it leads to for lack of a better word a type of trolley car on these railroad tracks that descend off into the darkness leosin turns to all of you all right um well this is where you will be uh, traveling to go to the um 
the library, if you will. Um, it should take you about 15 minutes or so uh, to uh, make the journey. But once you do, you will be have free reign of the library and the, um, the books, the contents there are. And um, I uh, wish you luck. Le- Leosin, is this catacomb, this library, there's a dragon spirit thing. Is there anything else we should be aware of? Like, is there other traps? Are there, like, are there other creatures down here that have been reported? Um, well, there have no, been no other creatures reported down here. I mean, this library was pretty secure, pretty intact, if you will. Um, I'm unaware of any traps, of any, uh, locked doors that I, everybody that left there left in quite a hurry so they didn't have time to uh, create traps or reset things or lock the doors themselves. You should have free access. I am not the keeper of this portion of the library and it's been quite time since anybody's been down there anyway so I would say hope for the best, plan for the worst I would say. Uh, you can always uh, uh, that, that's honestly the best that I can give you. I, I'm sorry I can't make it even be, give you better advice I just don't know all right. Okay. You you have a. I'm just going to say you have a habit of leading us to places that you know very little about. We went into a book that you couldn't tell us anything about before you plunged us into it, and now we're going to. You're, you're fine. You're fine. Okay. Yes. Yes. You. Yeah. You're. You're quite right. You're quite right. Yes. Um. Uh, I. 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 I tend not to have the greatest bedside manner. That. That doesn't apply here. I. I, I meant to say I. I don't. I don't necessarily divulge. Well, good luck. And he just turns around and walks away. That's to be expected. All right. <laughs> so uh, there's this trolley. Uh, I say trolley, but it's like uh, sort of like rail cars that are open. They don't have a ceiling to them necessarily. But as you walk up to them, they actually are lined with like this soft velvet that as you sit down, they have, uh, they're cushioned and they're quite nice. And right in the center, there seems to be this contraption that seems like it can feed a fire inside of it. Feed a fire. Fleeple? Huh? Well, if, is there a fire already inside, or am I going to be creating the fire? Uh, as you glance in there, there seems to be some coals in there that could be used, but the fire is not currently in there. Well, I suppose this is as good a time as any to produce some flame. And as you produce flame and chuck it in there, the carriage trolley train contraption slowly grinds to a start. It's very loud, it's very rusted, and Fleep, we have to throw a couple produce flames in there, actually, to get the fire, like, a little bit hot, because it takes some effort for it to get going, but this fire seems to propel this trolley down the corridor, and without too, too much of an issue, the train starts to move at a decent clip. And this ancient railway, as I mentioned, descends further under Candlekeep proper. And as you all settle down for the journey, Leosin did tell you it would take roughly about 15 minutes. With each car being open to the cavern above, you're able to feel the wind rush across you. And you're going, you're going a decent speed, not breakneck speeds, but you're going a pretty decent speed. And you're able to see that the cave above you is a still natural cave. It's like it was cut directly from this cavern. Uh, it doesn't seem like they try to line the walls with any man-made stone. With this continual source of fire from Fleeple and with continual markers 
scattered throughout the cave, telling you how far of a distance you need to travel to get there. You are able to track how far and how fast you need to go with your speed. But 15 minutes later of travel, Fleeple, you start to let up on your fire as you see that you are nearing your destination. You don't want to crash into any wall or stop sign, if you will, and have your whole carriage explode. So as you start to let off on this fire, Fleeple, all three of you notice that the temperature seems to be quite cold. It's not frigid, but uncomfortably cold as you have descended into the depths of this cave even more. Was there anything you wanted to discuss on these 15 minutes down the cavern? Lance has noticed, obviously, I think we all have, of Malamara's kind of disposition and everyone looking at her and her keeping her head down and everything like that. So I think Lance is just going to say, um, uh, Malamara, when you killed the Geth prisoner, was that something you, you wanted to do? Or was that something that you felt your patron wanted you to do? I'm comfortable with this question. She takes a moment to really think about it. And without meeting his eyes, she says, it was less his idea than mine. I just, I was worried about him coming after us. And the only way I could see to keep us all safe was to exterminate him. And so I did what I thought I needed to do to keep us safe. Well then, might I suggest that you keep your head up? Because that is nothing to be ashamed of. And that's, that's it. Hearing that advice, she does actually look up at him and that yellow scarf around his neck catches her eye in the firelight since it is so bright. And knowing what she does about, what little she does about his past and how he frequently hangs his head in shame and has something to do with his scarf, she changes direction of the conversation and asks, Lance, do you believe that we live after we die? And in an afterlife or a that we go someplace after this life. I kind of like look over slightly at Fleeple because I know of how much he believes. Fleeple, I imagine you're just looking like you're throwing fire <laughs> into the I furnace. That's what I imagine. Just like, like Fleeple's like every time, British flame, British flame, British flame. <laughs> uh, I, I'm like completely engrossed in what's going on inside of this little furnace. Like, I'm just fascinated by, you know, the fact that I can just toss balls of fire in here and it moves this massive contraption. So I'm just kind of like, I've got this dopey grin on my face and I'm just staring into the fire. In another life, <laughs> another kobold with Fleeple's skill set was probably the trolley conductor here. Because <laughs> it was just <laughs> the world for them. Like, I could do this. I could do this. This is great. Yeah, so Lance would kind of look over knowing, like, a Fleeple's faith and Fleeple's journey and not wanting to, like, he just wants to, he wants to be careful with his words because he doesn't want to necessarily go against what maybe his friend believes. But he'll say, he'll kind of look over and look back at Mal and kind of, kind of look puzzled uh, to himself. And Lance, Lance often looks like he's thinking, but 
He's visibly puzzled and kind of just says to Malmara, I'm not, I'm not sure about the gods and us belonging in some kind of afterlife. I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not going to knock it. But at the same time, I don't know. I, what I believe is if something's left unfinished and just thinking about some of the experiences he's had with these voices, if something's left unfinished, I think echoes of it remain. And that's the extent of what I know. Mal nods and ponders on that answer for a while. A big flame erupts from the furnace as Fleeple, you pat some of the flames off of your, your jerkin that you're wearing, your fleece. <laughs> oh, I got a little bit uh, overzealous there for a moment. Oh, don't mind me, don't mind me. You look like you're really enjoying this. <laughs> oh, this is this is pretty marvelous, actually. I don't think I've ever moved quite this fast in my life. And as you start to approach the end of the start to approach the end of the tracks here, you do see that there is uh, some markers saying "slow down, stop," but they're all in very old. Uh, it's like the common is very old. It's like people haven't spoken like this in a while. Like, um, ye old stop or whatever. Ye old you know, things stop. like that. Ye old ye stop. Old stop. <laughs> Low danger ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and, and verily thou shalt smash thy head against the rock if thou hast not stopped. No more fire doth thou require. There's the bard. There's the bard. Echoes of a bard. <laughs> We're gonna have Shakespeare as our next bard. Anyway, as you wind to the end of this track, you see a small platform, um, just like you had a, pl- just like the platform where you got on initially. But this platform is roughly uh, 20 feet long. There's an entrance past the platform that you can go. There's no door. It's just an open space, and there's a room beyond it. All of you having dark vision, you can see beyond it a little bit, but there's no light down here other than the flame that Fleeple had from the furnace itself. So it's sort of like gray and black outlines, uh, but there doesn't seem to be anything moving around you, and you are on this platform. I'm trying to remember, do half-orcs have dark vision? Correct. We all We all do. We all do. Right on. How how big would you say this platform is, everyone? I think it's... Oh, don't you dare. It's about nine and three quarters. Nine and three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So on this platform, you see the room beyond. The platform does end abruptly. And then the direction you came from as well. So the only path forward seems to be to go into this open room. So how do we want to go about this? Do we want to... Because, again, Leosin said, apparently we don't have much to worry about except for a spirit dragon. Do we want to go press forward together? Or should I scout out a little bit? Or what? what's the thought? Hmm. Well, we don't know what's going to be around any corner here. So a bit of scouting could be helpful, I reckon. I have a feeling that if a spirit dragon does exist down here, not much is going to be able to be hidden from him knowing that we're here. But you know what might be hidden from a spirit dragon is an invisible imp. Oh, that's true. 
Malamar? Zaza appears on my shoulder. <laughs> he's been there the whole time. He's just now visible. Well, as Zaza appears on your shoulder, he's like, he has this little teacup that he's drinking from. And uh, as he has been called forth from the Feywild and uh, has like this, these curlers in their hair and looks over at Mal and goes, oh, great. You need me again. Okay. Um, give me a second. And just chucks the teacup away as it disappears into nothing and ruffles their hair to where uh, it looks exactly as disgusting as it was before. All right. So uh, what, what do you want me to do? What do you guys think that we should do? It looks like up ahead may be a T. And, and Zaza looks both to uh, you, Lance, and Fleep and goes, Hey, how you doing? How's it going? I'm doing pretty great. Were you taking a me day? Was it a me day kind of thing? Uh, I was with some cousins, you know. Uh, they got some Seda friends, and so we were just having a good time. <laughs> There's a whole backstory <laughs> to that. <laughs> All right. Well, I have a life outside of you. I know. I know. I know. Don't know how this works. All right. Um, I think it'd be a good idea, possibly. I don't know, Malamar or, or Fleeple, if you feel this way. Uh, maybe we can have Zaza go into, like, the next room or the next two, and then we follow suit. Because, I don't know, I feel like that'll just keep the pace faster. Mm -hmm. That sounds agreeable to me, I think. I agree. Uh, Zaza, why don't you shapeshift into a raven and let's scout out the next room and let me know. Uh, if it's safe to transverse into there. All right. I'll go into a raven. I'm going to check some things out. Turns into a raven. And just flies off. Mentally, I'll ask her to go. I'll ask Zaza to go to the right. Excellent. Well, as Zaza goes through and Lance and Fleepa, while you're waiting for Zaza to just waiting to hear a report back, you do just kind of take closer stock of your surroundings. Although the cavern that you took to get down here was not polished, was just rough stone, this entrance has been worked very well. In fact, the architecture of the arch in front of you is very fine quality, and it looks like there was great care to make this a welcoming feature of the library. And the stone walls and the floor are worn with time, but it's clear that this was meant to be used by a great many people. Malamara, as Zaza flies into the next room, it looks like this area used to be a storage or welcome area for those entering the library. There are a lot of barrels and crates that have started to rot due to a result of the humidity and just being left behind over the years. And although nothing smells rancid to Zaza, you do see a few skeletal remains and they are strewn about the floor and it looks as if those these bones have been picked clean getting an all clear from zaza mal will wave forward wave a hand forward to proceed at least forward into that room while she goes to check out the next room excellent and lance and fleeple you are also brought into this room where you can see a few skeletal remains they're strewn about but they appear to be uh scattered amongst these boxes and nothing catches your eye necessarily but again this architecture does continue through into this room as well okay am i seeing a swarm of rats uh yeah so as you walk in as you get close to and you bump a barrel um you hear this chittering of rats as they just run away from you outside of the room and as they run away from you it seems that there's some at the very least my minor life down here in the library. Oh, it's been a while since I chomped a rat. 
<laughs> Flebel, don't do it. Don't do it, Flebel. Yes, I, uh, I restrain myself, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to take a closer look at the bones. I'm assuming they are humanoid of some variety. Uh, go ahead and roll me a medicine check. Medicine. All right. You got this sport. That is a 15. 15. So with a 15, you look at these bones, and they don't appear to be humanoid, actually. These look to be like remains of rats and bats that seem to have been devoured here and that were left behind. The remains themselves look to be quite old and don't look like they've been disturbed for quite some time here. But you can confirm that they are not humanoid. And Mal, as you are left behind on the platform waiting for Zaza to get back to you, you of course not being able to see Lance and Fleeple move in front of you because you're in your trance. Mal told us to move forward, that's why we did it. Oh, I misunderstood. I thought you just, like, waved your hand forward while remaining in a trance so you could see Zaza fly around. So that was my bad. I'll, I'll remain in a trance, and I'll just hang on to, for the duration of this, I'll hang on to Lance and trust that if something happens in front of us, he'll let me know. And then other than that, be in Zaza's eyes so I can tell him to move forward. Because we're just going room by room once we get an all clear. Excellent. Well, this next portion, which opens up quite a bit for you as Zaza, Malamara. This portion here, as Zaza exits the storage room on the north, you said, right? Yes. This main portion of the cavern is fairly wide and also has a pretty high ceiling. This is pitch darkness as there is no light whatsoever, but with Zaza having dark vision as well, she's able to take in the surroundings without issue. Now, the cavern itself is very wide, and it this exit from the room you currently are in does not open into another room. It does open into a natural expanse of the cave itself. So this is not a structured building. It's actually just part of the cave. As Zaza's vision is only, I believe, only 60 feet into darkness, correct? Dark vision is 120 feet. Okay, so Zaza can see the entire portion of this cavern. Um, there is a crevasse directly in front of Zaza as they are flying that is anywhere between 20 to 30 feet wide from this side of the, ca the crevasse to the other side. And it seems to cut off at least your party from them entering the other portion of the cave. Now, this is important because as Zaza has 120 dark vision, she can see on the other side of the cave two other buildings that can be accessed if you were to cross this crevice. Now, there is a lot of loose rubble around here as well, and as Zaza cautiously approaches, or as, Kaz as Zaza takes a look around at the crevasse, she they do see two bridges. They see one on the north end that seems to be some sort of wooden bridge, and the one on the south portion, which is a bridge that seems to be made out of stone as well. Mal will wave her hand toward the northern passage that Zaza had flown out to progress the group forward. As we're in this, right in, uh, near this crevasse, Lance, as he's kind of dimly seeing everything with, you know, dark vision, but still very black in here, um, he's going to find some loose rubble on the ground and just toss it into the crevasse to see how long it takes to fall to the bottom. So you go over to the edge, and you feel pretty comfortable going over to the edge. Nothing's, like, going to fall out underneath you, and you get some loose rubble. Get something about the size of your hand, something with a little bit of weight to it, and you just toss it into the crevasse. Go ahead and roll me a perception check. 
The DC isn't too high on this one. Well, that's a wasted natural 20 then. <laughs> I mean, it's so high. It's so high. So that's a total of, what's my freaking perception? That's a total of 24. Okay. As you toss the rock over and you just listen and you start counting, you hear the rock clatter off the side of the walls of the crevasse as it continues to go downward. And it does go a little bit far, but you hear that the rock falls into some water. And now that you're made aware of it, and with your 24 being so high, actually, you can hear faintly running water underneath this crevasse. Hmm. I'll just inform the group. It's like there's a river down there, some kind of flowing water going somewhere. Don't know if that's relevant or anything, but just good to know. So across from the bridge that we're standing at the precipice of, there is a building straight across from us. I'll have Zaza go check that out. Excellent. So yeah, as it's clear, the the buildings, it has the same exact architecture as before. So you both, uh, so all of you just kind of hang tight by this bridge while Zaza goes to check out these other buildings here and takes a look. There is only one entrance on this side that they can go into and as they go into that building on the left hand portion as they make their way in there is one room that is immediately right by them but there does seem to be that the hallway goes down a little bit to another room. Would you like to investigate this first room that they encountered or go investigate the further room first? Further room. Further room, okay. And while they flew in, I will wave that we can go across the bridge, trusting that as we enter a building that Lance will maybe check for traps. I'll real quick stop everyone before we cross the bridge. I will- Yeah, this is okay. a really old wooden bridge, correct? Yeah, I will briefly, like as Mal's like waving us forward, I'm gonna slap her hand away. <laughs> like, stop, stop that. It pulls you out of your vision for a little bit, Mal. You're like, how? Hey, yeah, uh, this is a really old bridge. Um, we should probably check its durability first. So before you even have to, before you roll a check, you do approach the bridge and you start to inspect the bridge. It is an old bridge and it has seen better days. Although it tries its best to remain upright, you can see it leaning slightly to the left. And as you kind of tilt your head to shift your perspective to match how the bridge is leaning, you can see that it's tilted a few degrees in relation to the floor um, that it currently is. And additionally, as you gaze over the bridge in greater detail, you do see that there are a few boards that are missing. None of the boards are missing right next to each other, though. So there's not a huge gap that you won't be able to step over, including Fleeple. And Lance, as you gingerly test, you don't put all of your weight on it. You just kind of like tap a little bit of your weight on it you do see that the bridge starts to rotate a little off kilter as weight gets applied to the bridge itself cool any ideas we can roll one of the barrels down the bridge and see what happens uh yeah yeah we could do that just to test to see if it lasts for that yeah let's do that great so telling Zaza to hold off while we get this bridge situation uh, figured out, you grab one of the barrels, and as you go to the barrels in the other room and start to roll it, uh, you actually have to do it two or even three times because each barrel that you grab and start to roll just kind of like crumples 
under the weight and the rot of the wood, but you do find a good one that is not super wet, and you just start rolling it to the other bridge, and you're just wanting to kind of roll it over the entrance to see if the weight will stand, stay on it, right? Yeah, if the bridge even holds. Okay. Without needing to roll uh, at any sort of check here, you positioned it, and you just start to roll it across. Now, it is a rope bridge, so there are sides to contain the barrel inside of the bridge. However, as the weight gets put on it, it's very clear, and you saw this, Lance, when you put your foot on it, it starts to rotate uh, clockwise, not too drastically where everybody it gets flipped over, but enough to where the weight of the barrel has to get caught from on the rope on the right-hand side. So it starts to roll down. The increasing weight rotates the bridge, and then the ropes on the side of the bridge catch the barrel before it could fall off. And so this barrel has now kept this bridge in this rotated position, so to speak. Are we looking at like 90 degrees rotation? Not a 90 degree, exactly. It's uh, it's maybe... It's just less than a 45-degree angle. So this bridge is at the furthermost north of this kind of crevasse area. But you did say there was another bridge to the south of us that is made of somewhat stone. Yes, that is correct. Right. Um, what's everyone feeling? Should we... Oh, boy, as I look at this bridge. Uh, should we try this? I have an idea if we want to chance this. This also goes in your mind and go... This is why I don't know why you guys just don't fly. Or can't have any way of flying. It's solve all your problems. Hey, give me two more levels, man, and I'll be I'll be good to go. There you go. Mal rolls her <laughs> eyes and tells Zaza to do a, a sweep of the lower floors and to do a, a return and report scout that we've practiced while I'm dealing with this thing. All right, fine. All right, fine. Me, 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 me. Imps. Okay, this, is, this was my idea. Um... What we could possibly do is to tie a rope to each one of us, giving us the slack of the length of the bridge between each one of us. And what happens is, because I am, I would assume, one of the most acrobatic ones of the group, I would run across first, hopefully not to die. If I do fall, you're there to hold the rope and hopefully drag me up. I get to the other side, then Fleeple goes... Because if Fleepo falls, I think I could withstand getting him over to the other side, or Mal could get him back. And then Malamara goes, because me by myself, trying to get Malamara, I will die. Uh, <laughs> um, but both of us together, if we're on the same side and Mal falls in, then we can pull together. Yes, well, that's why I, I thought I'd go, then you go, and then we have Malamara at the end, so we both can, can, we both can do it. If she falls. While you're discussing this, everybody, I need you all, I need every single person to roll me a d6 and tell me the results. A d6? Yeah. Oh, boy. I got a three. I also got a three. And I got a four. Okay. Want to, exp want to expound on that, Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> you are uninterrupted. Cool. Great. That's, Sturges! That, that doesn't make you feel any better. <laughs> Uh, Mal says, you know, Lance, I rarely agree with you, but, uh, that was the first plan that came to my mind as well. And I don't see another way around it. So I, I say we do, we go with that plan. And she starts digging into her pack to grab out some rope. 
You just had to throw a dig in there, didn't you? Okay. <laughs> I don't like you, and I don't agree with you, but let's go with this, because it was also my plan. Okay. How far How far is the chasm, like, feet-wise? Here, it's about 30 feet. 30 feet. Okay. So, if we have a hundred... How big is our rope? How much rope do we have? Usually rope is I know, roughly I have 50. 50 feet. I think you, you have 50. 50. I, ha- I have two packs. Yeah, I have a ma- Monsters, Hunters, and a Burglar. I assume it has a 50 in there. Great. So easy enough, you all have enough rope, and you tie it amongst yourselves to where each of you get uh, tied up, connected to one another. And Lance, it sounds like you're going to be going first, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm going to line up as best I can with this rope bridge that's now about 45 degrees turned and trying to use the barrel also as a counterweight almost i'll try and zippity do across this bridge jumping kind of back and forth to not hopefully have the bridge flip on me to kind of give it counterweight each bound i do i need you to roll me an acrobatics check please here we go roguey things okay that is 18 18 as you zip back and forth, you hop over the barrel, and the, the, your weight does shift it a little bit, but not too far past the 45-degree angle. Seems to be kind of held in place there, especially with the weight of the barrel itself. And you do have to hold on to the, the ropes to just v- make sure that you don't fall down, but you, you're going fast, and you don't trip over any of the broken or lost boards below and you make it across a little bit of sweat on your brow but uh, you make it across without issue. <sighs> Leeple, you're next. You got this sport? Not too well though that's an eight. Eight. Fleeple, as you walk across you're you're feeling younger and so you're able to hold on to uh, the ropes a little bit better but your arms aren't quite as long as Lance's are. And so you, you're you maneuvering across and you're maneuvering across. And as you go to like shift around this barrel, you actually shift around the barrel and your weight on the barrel tips it a little further than what you were intending to. And the, the bridge starts to tip in a way where you lose your balance and you start to fall over the edge itself. So I need you to make a dexterity saving throw, please. All right, that is a 10. 10. As you try to catch yourself on this barrel and claw and make your way tumbling over, you can't grasp anything here. And so you start to tip over the bridge and you actually fall off the bridge, starting to go down into the abyss. I will obviously be grabbing hold of the rope. Uh, And because... Fleeple is tied to Mal and Lance, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Fleeple, as you're tied to both Mal and Lance, they both grab you. You're not weighing too terribly much. But as you start to fall, you stop suspended midair as these two ropes hold you suspended in this inky blackness in this chasm. The bridge not being too far away from you where you currently are at. And without... <laughs> too too much issue, Lance and Mal. You walk Fleeple back over, pulling the ropes a little bit taut, um, not trying to hurt his limbs or anything, but to get him to the right level of the bridge where Fleeple can grab on and attempt to cross the bridge again. 
Alright, so is that another acrobatics check? Yep, just one more acrobatics check. This time I'll let you do it with advantage because Lance and Mal are kind of like holding, like kind of pulling you a little bit, holding the ropes taut, making sure that you don't have as much slack so you can't necessarily fall off the bridge too terribly much. I was also going to say Lance is going to try and coach him like, okay, so if, if the weight is going this way, like trying to try to coach him through the mathematics of weight counterweight as he goes. All right, so with guidance once more. Ah, yes, that is... A 26. There you go. 20. There you go. Shoot, dog. 26. You're able to make it across the bridge with Lance's coaching, but really just you being able to be like, okay, I know what I did last time. Here we go. And so two of you have crossed the bridge successfully. That leaves Mal. Mal is up. Hold on, Fleepo. Yeah, maybe we should uh, wrap the rope around one of these crates or something. Give us a little extra leverage just in case. Yeah, we might want to. <laughs> Is there any pillars to do this for? <laughs> well, there are posts that the bridge is tied to. Let's wrap a part of the rope around that. Sounds good. All right, Mal, let's have your acrobatics check. Malamara, don't suck. <laughs> it's not good. Oh, no. Oh no! <laughs> a two. I rolled a two on the dice. Oh, plus two yeah. is a four. Hang on, Mal. You were watching very intently because you're like, okay, I, 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 I need to. Obviously, you want to make sure that you're doing exactly what they're doing and getting across as fast as you can. You underestimated how much your weight would shift this bridge, though. Lance and Fleeple not coming near to your current weight. And so as you step on, almost immediately, the bridge jostles in such a way, and you actually hear it start to creak underneath your weight. And you uh, you just try to sprint across, but before you can even get to the barrel, you your leg falls through one of the ropes, and you start to lose your balance and start to tip over as the bridge is tilted. I need you to roll me a dexterity saving throw, please. Oh, that was a non-natural 20. There you go. There you go. And I believe you get advantage on dexterity saves, don't you? Or is that just with damage? Danger sense? Advantage on dex saves against something I can see, i.e. trap spells or effects, which I don't think this applies to. Uh, A 20, though, that is enough to catch yourself and to stop you from falling off completely. Lance and uh, Fleeple, you pull the rope taut just to give her some extra balance on the post as well, and the post starts to groan under the weight and the strain. It, it probably was strong once one uh, in its day, but it, the years have made it a little bit weaker. But Mal has caught herself here. Mal, you can attempt to cross again. You're about one-third of the way across the bridge. <sighs> Since I'm kind of hanging from the bridge, can I use my strength athletics to kind of shimmy my way across instead of dexterity? Ah, so like use the the rope itself to... Instead of trying to climb back up on the bridge, yeah, to use the rope on the side of the bridge to just monkey bar across. There's a better word. I don't know what the bird word is. No, but yeah, you can uh, shimmy away, uh, shimmy away, so to speak, with an athletics check. That's a uh, 18. 18. Just enough. Just enough to get across the bridge without issue. 
and as you shimmy across using your immense weight and strength to make your way across this bridge you get to the other side with Lance and Fleeple uh, helping you up as best they can. Uh, Fleep, you grab Fleeple's hand first, and you almost pull him over the edge with uh, you just trying to grasp onto something before Lance helps you both back up, and you're all on the other side, panting. Okay, things are good. And um, you've made it across the bridge successfully. Just at this time, Zazel flies back, doing a return report and go, I did find two rooms. Uh, one of them looks like uh, it's pretty abandoned. Nothing in there. But the other one, it actually looks like it's in pristine condition for whatever reason. And there's a desk. There's like a quill. There's like a book. And there's an empty chair. But probably the oddest thing is um, the corridor, which I think we're supposed to go. Um, I couldn't get through it. And there's not a door. But there was this barrier that it couldn't get across that kept shocking me every single time I flew right into it. Show us where that is. And without issue, Zaza flies you over there. They fly, you walk over there. And it's not too far. It's just around the corner. You pass both rooms actually to get to that location. And indeed, there is this red barrier that seems to be like pulsing. And as you put your hand on it, it shocks you a little bit like, ah, it really hurts. And just at that moment, the room that is directly next to it, you hear a voice go, Well, if you'd like to go into the library, you first have to check in. Oh, no. And that's where we're going to end this week's episode of iCast Fireball. Excellent, excellent. So we started infiltrating this library, or at least got to the entrance of it, with this mysterious voice beckoning the adventurers in. So we'll see what happens next time. I want to thank my players, Ned, Mickey, and Jacob, for sticking it out. We had a little bit of technical difficulties on my end, so I appreciate you all sticking it out there. Now, we hope you've enjoyed listening, as always, as much as we have enjoyed playing. But from wherever you get your podcasts from... Please leave us a review. It boosts our ratings through each podcast service, puts us in other people's recommended feeds, and it lets you know that you like what we're doing. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Now, if you want to write something a little bit longer than a review, shoot us an email at iCastFireball2020 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we're hoping to get the word out there and set this podcast on fire. Now, to get the most recent up-to-date content from us here, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter with the handle iCastFireball20. There you can get possible sneak peeks of upcoming episodes, insights from players and the Dungeon Master, and behind-the-scenes shots of us making this incredibly fun world. As always, a quick shout-out to our sister podcast, Improv Tabletop, where Ned takes a turn as the GM and runs through both the Fate Accelerated Tabletop system as well as the Avatar Legends system. Both are incredibly fun with a lot of wacky improv, but also some heartfelt role-playing that really helps immerse you into the world, whatever that world may be. So go and get, give them a listen, and don't forget to leave them a five-star review as well. Uh, lastly, like, subscribe, and share with your friends and fellow wacky adventurers. But until next time, I'm Thomas, your DM, and around the table we have... Malamara. Lance Thalen. And Flaple. Let's keep that fire going, and we'll see you all next time.